Welcome back to part two of the message, God Feeds the Boar. Pastor Tim continues as he teaches us from Psalm 107, 4 through 9. Here's Pastor Tim. The poor are in their condition where their souls are fainting and withering. But they know it. And so it says, then, this is what they did. Look at verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They recognized their trouble. They cry out to God. They don't look around for somebody else to help them. They don't look for somebody else to, to do for them. They're not even trying to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. They cry out to the God of heaven. God, help me, may simply be their prayer. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. You've heard about being between a rock and a hard place. The word for trouble literally means a hard, tight place. I told them in the 830 service, it reminds me of going up to Rock City. You know, and you go through that one, it's my favorite, it's the fat man little fat man alley or whatever that is. It's about that wide and you're supposed to get through it. You know? That's how these people feel. They're up against a situation where they cannot budge their circumstances. And they don't see any way out. And so they look up. I believe one of the reasons why people do not cry out to the Lord these days is because they're not desperate enough to do so. Maybe we still think that we can budge our circumstances. Maybe we still think that we can work harder, preach harder, sing harder, pray harder, and things would just get better. If we could just fill up our seats... God's one has to fill up the seats. Till we get to a point to where we're desperate for God to do something, we will not cry out to Him. It's the knee replacement patient who goes to the doctor and the doctor says, when you hurt bad enough, come back and see me and we'll do something about it. Right? These people have gotten to the point to where they hurt bad enough and they want something to be done and they know the only person that they can call out to is the Lord and so they cry out to Him knowing that He promises to hear those cries. So number one, the people were grieved or the poor were grieved. Number two, the Lord was gracious. The Lord was gracious. Not only did He hear their cries, He acted. And just like we saw in verses 1, 2, and 3, He acted in goodness. And He acted in mercy. And He's acting in graciousness to them. Look at the end of verse number 6. And He delivered them out of their distresses. I find it interesting that the psalmist pluralizes the word distresses. It's not just one thing, is it? And it's not that God takes all these things and just lumps them up into one big thing and says, okay, I'll deliver you from that. 
No, life's troubles are made up of a bunch of other little troubles. And he says, he will deliver them from each of those distresses. Maybe you have somebody who fits in one of those categories that we talked about earlier. Maybe they're just hungry. God can deliver them out of their distress. But maybe they are hungry and homeless. God delivers them out of their distresses. No matter what you're facing and no matter how many things you're facing, God can help you. You want some proof? Look in verse 7. This is how he helped them. He led them forth by the right way. <laughs> you might look at that and say, oh, go to that. that's, not, that's not what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to give them some food, and he's supposed to give them some shelter, and he's supposed to meet all those basic needs, not just lead them forth in the right way. That's exactly what they need. You know as well as I know that there are plenty of those that find themselves in that category of the poor because they've already gone in the wrong way, because they've made bad decisions, because they wanted the wrong things. What does God do for them? He turns them around and leads them forth in the right way. You say, well, Tim, not everybody's in that circumstance. Some people are in that circumstance because, I mean, they can't help it. Still, they need to be in the right way. The right way begins with this word righteousness. Where does righteousness come from? It comes from my, my relationship with Christ. What does a hungry, homeless helpless person need that is exactly the same as a clothed, full, sheltered person. What is it? It's the same. I mean, the down and outers need the same thing that the up and outers need. They need Jesus. And he says he leads them forth by the right way. Then notice what happens. Look at the end of verse 7. That they might go to a city for habitation. He does provide for them. Provides everything that they need. There they're going to find shelter. We might say that they find a frame. They find a frame. They find friends. They find food. They find everything that they need. It's all good, isn't it? God continually is good to us. So that we could say right along with the psalmist in verse number 9, for he satisfies my longing soul and fills my hungry soul with goodness. That's two. Let's go to three. It's a fourfold process. So number three, the poor were grateful. The poor were grateful. I mean, gratitude is the right response, isn't it? When, when God provides what I cannot provide, when, when God delivers where I am stuck, how can I not be thankful? 
I mean, earlier when we said, how many people in here can affirm the truth that God is good? How many people can affirm the truth that God is merciful? And, and it was amen here, amen there, amen here, amen there. I don't think one of those amens came from the fact that you simply read your Bible and said, oh, hey, look, God is good. Oh, look, God's merciful. I believe those things. I believe that every one of those amens came out of experience. That God has shown you His goodness. God has shown you His mercy. When God acted in graciousness toward you, now what's your response? It's gratitude. The second pair of repeated verses for us in this first section is in verse number 8. Look at how it begins. It begins with a cry from the psalmist. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness. You know what the psalmist acknowledges? He acknowledges our human behavior and our human tendencies. My tendency is to recognize that I have a great need to cry out to God for that need, for God to act graciously and to provide for me and then for me to just go on with the rest of my life. I mean, that's typical, isn't it? Remember the ten lepers that came to Jesus? Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priest. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they were healed in Jesus' presence. I don't think that they were healed on their way to see the priest. I think as they approached the priest, they were just as leprous as they had been from the day that they first called out to Jesus. But when they went to show themselves and roll up their sleeves, I think the leprosy was gone. Not just in one of them, not just in half of them, in all ten of them, completely clean. And one, remember? One came back to say thank you. Do you remember what Jesus' question was? Where, where are the nine? Weren't there ten healed? It makes me wonder how many times he says that about our church. Where, where are the rest of them? Where are the rest of them to whom I have been good? Where are the rest to whom I have been merciful? Where are the rest to whom I have been gracious? Where is that gratitude? I would say thank you to a stranger. I need to make sure that I say thank you to the one who gave everything for me. Let me give you number four. The Lord was glorified. The Lord was glorified. Look at the end of verse number 8. It says, And for His wonderful works to the children of men. Yes, the verb that's in there is still about giving God thanks. But there's also an element of declaring that to others because He says now it is to the children of men. In other words, I'm to declare that in such a way that it brings God glory and honor. This phrase that he uses, wonderful works, is a phrase that has been found in the Psalms twice before we ever get to number 107. 
Maybe you want to jot these down. I think it helps make it clear that we're supposed to glorify the Lord. Psalm number 40 in verse 5 says, Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. I would declare and speak of them. Psalm 78 in verse number 4. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. Do you hear what he's saying? When I recognize that God has done wonderful works around me, I'm to speak of it. I'm to declare it. Most specifically, I'm to declare it to my children. I'm to declare it to a generation that is yet to come to make sure that each successive generation knows the goodness of God and they know it even from my perspective. These are the wonderful things that God has done for me. Listen, God is glorified when His people glorify Him. Who better to glorify Him than those of us who have tasted of His goodness? Let me leave you with a verse today. It's Psalm number 50, in verse 15. It begins with an invitation from God. He says, call unto me in your day of trouble. And then it's followed with a promise. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Has God been good to you? Has God been merciful to you? I think there's a couple of things you can do. You can thank Him for sure. Right now, right where you sit, a whole list probably floods your mind. You find yourself saying, God, thank you for this. God, thank you for that. And as specific as you can be, it honors Him. Second thing I think that you can do is to declare it. To glorify Him. To honor Him for all that He's done for you. If the need for the up and outers is the same for the down and outers, that they know Jesus, then that means that the greatest need in this room is for people to know Jesus. Maybe you come today to say, Tim, I want to know. I mean, I want to know that I know him. Maybe, Maybe you're like some of our Vacation Bible School children that say, I asked Jesus to come to my heart and I want people to know. Maybe you say, this is where God's placing me and this is where I need to serve. This is where I need to be. I want to plant my life right here. Or maybe God has done something so unique, something so special that He has has answered a prayer so specifically that you come simply to say thank you. 
And I know those are things that need to happen today. But there's something bigger and something greater that I think needs to happen during the invitation. We need to cry out to God. When's the last time that you could be described as having a longing soul, a hungry soul for the presence and the power of God? If we don't see it, cry out to Him for it. We can't afford to play church. I can't afford to play Christian. I want to give him what he deserves. Or at least to my capability, what I can do. Jesus, we honor you today with obedience and with fellowship. Help us in these moments to become aware not only of our own need but of your great resources. Do today in us. Do today among us what you long to do. Revive your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me. Pastor Tim wants you to know that no matter what you are facing or how many things you are facing, God can help you. We hope that you know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord and that God has redeeming love for each of us. Pastor Tim would love to connect with you. That address is churchoffice at britdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.